Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cannabis Tech Talks. Joining me today is George Terry, Executive Vice President of RadSource, and Dr. Justin Chernowski, Head of Research and Development, also for RadSource. Thanks for joining me, guys. So cool. today we're going to talk a little bit about cannabis remediation, um, and this is kind of a broad category. Maybe to start with, it'd be good to fill in some of our listeners who may not be familiar with remediation. What are some things that can cause cannabis to need this process? Well, during the, during the cultivation of, um, actually during the grow, uh, uh, cannabis and marijuana can actually pick up um, mold and yeast, powdery mildew, um, aspergillus, um, salmonella, E. coli, depending on if it's indoor or outdoor. And these are all pathogens that, um, that states regulate to make sure that, um, that, they are, that the flower itself is safe for consumption, whether it's being inhaled or whether it's put through a, a product that they might use the extract from. So um, the states will come back and make sure that there's no coli, uh, coliform forming units, CFU, um, or aspergillus um, in the product itself so that it can be safely consumed by people that are uh, immunocompromised um, or people that, um, that, that might not be able to take the, such you know, uh, microbes into their bodies. Okay, great. So when a product needs to be remediated, there are a lot of different approaches you can use for this. How is RadSource addressing that issue? So we use the same technology that they use in Canada and the Netherlands. Um, and it's a, a very safe and effective technology that really has no impact on the terpenes or the cannabinoids of the, of the product itself because it uses light. Um, so it uses the photon to go in and actually break the DNA chain. In fact, there's a picture of it behind us of, of the microbe so it can no longer reproduce. Um, it doesn't do anything to affect the, 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 the cannabinoids or the terpenes in the product because that's not what we're targeting. We're targeting at a DNA level, the uh, microbe itself. So it'll go in and destroy the, the microbe's DNA so it cannot reproduce much like they do for viral inactivation for like flu shots. Um, and, um, and also we use it for uh, sterile insect technique as well. But we, the, our big thing is blood. You know, we use it, um, we're, we are an FDA um, uh, cleared uh, blood device. Um, and we use the same technology we use on human blood um, for cannabis. And it's the same technology that they use in the Netherlands and in um, Canada as well to uh, basically take the microbes out. And so if it's a, a light um, penetrating technology, how does it ensure that, that light is reaching all the little nooks and crannies of the, the product? Yeah, sure. So that's a great question. Uh, the, the thing that's nice about our technique is we're using uh, the x-ray spectrum, uh, the x-ray part of the electromagnetic spectrum and the wavelengths there are small enough that you can actually get into those nooks and crannies, get through the large molecules that you want to preserve, like the terpenes and the cannabinoids. And it actually does, as George has said, uh, target the DNA. The wavelength matches nearly perfectly. Um, and it's, it's a really neat uh, technology that we kind of found uh, rolls very well into cannabis uh, that, that can, that's been we've been using in blood since the, this company started. And so I know people sometimes are they hear the word x-ray and then there are certain associations that come up for them. 
Can you address some of those concerns and sort of tell me what's different about using it for cannabis as opposed to maybe in a medical setting? Right, so um, x-rays are a part of the electromagnetic spectrum. So the electromagnetic spectrum uh, encompasses everything from radio waves, you know, like uh, cell phones all the way up to, um, you know, uh, gamma rays, which are cosmic rays. Um, it's, it all has to do with wavelength. So as you go up the electromagnetic spectrum where you're looking at things like RF, um, microwaves, um, infrared, visible light, grow lights, UV, uh, then you come upon x-rays. It's all wavelengths. So it's all photons, no matter what you look at. Um, it's just that the wavelength of our photons are at a, such a small scale. We're at the same size of the atom. Um, and we, we penetrate the we penetrate through material um, and hit and target the DNA. Whereas other technologies like, like visible light, for example, you, you look at your hand, photons hit your hand, they, they, they reflect back into your eye and you see in the, your hand, you see the, you know, the colors in your hand, you can see paper is white. Um, with us, instead of reflecting back at the surface, it goes through, through the, uh, the, the actual object itself and it actually hits the, uh, the DNA and the microbes. Okay, I see. And so that's not something that's going to affect the DNA of the cannabis itself or alter it in some way. It's just affecting the microbes. Right, because the microbes are living organisms, and you know, after cultivation, the the, the cannabis. Yeah, the plant is dead, and and so there's nothing really to alter um, in in that regard. Also, you're talking about molecules that are much larger than the size of the wavelength that we're using. So, kind of going back to that point, you're missing all the stuff that you care about to go after the DNA of the pathogens that you don't want in your product. I appreciate that. So. I know there are a few different approaches, as you mentioned. Um, maybe you could help break down some of those. There's also like ozone, there's RF, which you mentioned. Um, with ozone, there's no um, chemicals, right? Except for like the ozone itself, or is that considered a, a chemical? Well, it's a chemical. Um, I'll let Justin answer it, but remember, it all, it, it's, it's a matter of penetration and what it does to the product. Ozone is a natural deodorizing product. If you go into a rent-a-car place or you go into a hotel room and somebody's been smoking in there, they bring out the ozone because the ozone um, machine will actually throw enough ozone into that car or into that room that it deodorizes it and neutralizes that, uh, that, that smell. So hence, if you have terpenes and you throw ozone on top of it, what's, what's going to happen? But as far as the chemical reaction, Justin can answer. Yeah, so uh, oftentimes these chemicals such as ozone are oxidizing agents. And so oxidizing agents are, they're basically, they rapidly age things uh, in, in everyday life. That's why when you're talking about antioxidants, you, you, that, that's why it's in the name antioxidants. You, you want to get rid of those species that can cause the premature aging. Uh, you see it in time, in, in a sense, like when fruit goes bad, part of that is an oxidation process. So what you're essentially doing is you're rapidly aging your material. And we've, we've anecdotally seen and also seen results uh, that go, go along with that. Yeah, I've got pictures of a product that's turned totally brown. That is not good for anything but extraction because it actually, you know, it's a surface, not appealing anymore. Yeah, it's a surface treatment. Um, yeah, and, and going back to what George was saying is that there's a reason they use it in, 
rental cars and, and hotel rooms, it is a deodorizer. But again, the penetration is an issue, which is why those smells never quite go away. Um, you know, they try to do their best, but you're actually physically uh, ripping things apart. And, and it's also a non-selective process. So anything that it sees, it goes after. Um, and that could be the things when you were talking about altering the plant, altering the terpenes, altering the cannabinoids, that is something where the ozone doesn't go after or target anything. It just it just hits what it sees first. So it may alter the plant. It, in fact, we've seen that it does alter the plant. It does alter the cannabinoids. It does alter the terpenes because that's what it hits first. And if you have something that's deep in the flower and you can't penetrate into that flower, it's not going to get it. Uh, you know, and we'll talk about the secret shopper stuff, but that really plays a, a lot into the secret shopper part of, of, the, uh, of the program and why that program was even developed. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's wonderful that you're giving an opportunity for comparison between the various characteristics of the cannabis once it's treated. Um, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that maybe later in our conversation. There's um, another technology though, uh, the RF. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear, hear about that. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, um, it's basically a microwave oven. Um, they use probes, they go into the product. It's got to have moisture in order to evenly distribute it, um, the heat. Um, and it's basically like pasteurization, you know, it brings up the heat. Uh, heat, we, we know, starts the decarb, uh, the decarb process. Um, and in addition to that, um, you know, it takes days to dry out um, to get back down to moisture level. Um, we've had customers that are not happy with it. In fact, we have very, we have quite a few uh, customers that went from RF to our technology because of the impact it made on the product. Um, uh, and by the way, uh, none of the other two technologies actually will make the claim that we make, which is we'll get you down to 99.9% uh, microbial free because we can do it because we have the penetration. Like Justin was saying, once that mold or yeast or uh, powder in the mildew or gets inside the flower, you know, you got to use a lot of temperature to get to that, the center of that to, to, to mitigate it. And, uh, and, and from a gas perspective, it's, it probably is not going to penetrate that, even if you tumble it. Yeah, a lot of these technologies are kind of technologies that have gone out of favor in the food industry. Uh, and they're trying to almost repurpose them for the cannabis industry. And we're seeing the same reasons why they've fallen out of favor in the food industry roll into the cannabis industry. However, the knowledge in the cannabis industry is, is catching on. It's, it, it, they're starting to see the same issues. They're starting to see the, have the same complaints. Uh, and so there is a reason why a lot of food has moved even to uh, X-ray or, or even you know, gamma. other gamma radiation techniques. So it, we are the future technology. We already, it's arrogant to say, but we know that because that is this, this, that's the reason that the food industry went that direction. Uh, they, they, it's, it's very difficult for them to sell an apple that looks terrible, just as difficult as it's going to be to sell a cannabis flower that looks terrible. Um, it, you know, you want the best bang for your product and you have to preserve the way it looks, tastes and smells to do that. Absolutely. Uh, I'm also interested to hear more about why people maybe haven't adopted um, this technology or why they choose to work with what they're working with. Is there a price difference or a time difference maybe? Yeah, uh, there's, a couple di there's a couple different things. So it, there is a price difference. We are more expensive than, than the cheaper um, uh, technologies, but it, it's not because 
we, we want to be more expensive is because our technology is more advanced. Um, we were basically harnessing photons um, faster than, you know, at the speed of light and, and targeting those photons to hit microbials. So it's not something that you're just going to generate some gas uh, or you're going to um, heat something up like, a, like you would in a microwave. Um, we, we have a, a, a very patented technology um, and even other x-ray providers can't do what we do because of our patented technology. They're not able to deliver the types of photons, which are high quality photons, into a target material the way that our patent has uh, us doing it. Um, so that's why we're a little bit more expensive. On the, on the other side. There's also, the, the, the thing that I like to talk about too is you get what you pay for in a variety of different reasons. You know, our industry is regulated. We have ISO 9001, we have FDA approval, uh, especially on our health, uh, on for, our blood machine. Only for blood. And yeah, mm -hmm. on, our, on our blood machine. And, but we take all those same standards and we roll them into all of our technologies. And all of that comes with that added cost, but that added cost is future technology. You are getting what you pay for. And that's a lot of the reason why our competitor technologies are trying to cut costs. They do so in, in my opinion, not safe ways by, by you know, maybe their sealants that they buy from the department store or something like that. I don't, I don't know, but they're not, they need to be chemically rated. There's just so many things when you have, when you're dealing with chemicals, because I am a chemist, that you have to uh, take into account with uh, FDA regulations, uh, um, the the EPA, EPA, EPA registration, all that stuff. That is, those are all things that need to really be taken into consideration that, in my opinion, I don't think we need to really address those kind of things and, and be professional about them too. And there's also a stigma to, um, you know, our competitors, especially are the ones that boast most of it. But, you know, uh, when people hear that you're using x-rays, they think, oh, it's going to be radioactive and it's, it's a farce. So basically what happens is, is we emit photons out of, out of, a, out of a, an emitter in the x-ray spectrum. Um, those are photons that once they hit the target and, or they're absorbed into the target, they break the DNA or they go through the, um, they go through the material, um, they basically dissipate. It's a, it's, it does not make the product radioactive. Um, it's just like when you go to the doctor and you get an x-ray or the dentist, you get an x-ray. They don't want you to be exposed for a long period of time because you're, you're alive. You're, yeah, you're alive. <laughs> yeah, you don't, but um, you know, at, you don't feel anything. The photons go right through. You're not uh, radioactive when you walk away. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anybody's ever went to the dentist, gotten a mouth x-ray and walked away thinking they were radioactive. It's, it's the exact same exact same technology or even, or even the airport in, in fact scanners. in fact that's how the state regulating bodies look at us is like dental x-rays when you're installing them oftentimes uh with our machines you have to register with the state that you have an x-ray device that's it it's yep. just a simple registration process that we walk you through and it's if you're you know i know some people are scared to go to the dentist but you know if you if you're if you're comfortable going to the dentist you should be very comfortable around our machines it's all light that's, that's it. You know, once the light hits you, if I shine a, a flashlight on Justin right now, you're going to see his face light up and then it's going to disappear because the light goes away. And is there a time difference in how long these technologies take to treat yes. like a similar batch? So we, we do take, uh, depending on the size of the unit, we take a couple hours to remediate depending on, you know, the, the type of unit. Uh, however, we'll, that's it from start to, to finish, you know, and we're in a sealed bag environment. So once you seal it, you throw it in our unit, you pull it out in the sealed bag, nothing gets reintroduced to that, that product. 
Um, whereas, you know, with our cus with, uh, with some of our competitors, they put it out on trays and then they have to do things to put it in, in a unit. And then once they shut the unit off, it can be, uh, recontamination can be reintroduced from the environment. And then uh, they take days to outgas or they might take days to dry the moisture off. So they don't calculate that into their time. But if you look at it as a function of actual processing time, um, yeah, we take a couple hours to do it. Um, for example, we have a, a 50 pound unit that does 50 pounds, roughly 35 to 50 pounds of cannabis uh, in, or flour in roughly about seven hours at our, at our recommended dosage. Um, but we've had customers that have brought that down to five and four hours based on their strain. So uh, once, you, once you understand your strain and your, your microbial loads, you're able to do adjustments within the, in the time and, and you'll know the exact dose. It's just like medicine, you know, it's like, you know, you, you get, we know exactly how much, uh, how many photons or what dose of photons to give this um, strain and this product to, in order to, to get it to too few to detect. Wow, okay. And that brings up another interesting point um, about water activity, right? So what happens after, um, after you reseal the product and it ships off, it's packaged, they've treated it, is, um, is there something that photonic radiation does to help alleviate long-term water activity, like inhibit the regrowth of mold or mildew once it's packaged? Okay, so they're, they're not, there's not, it's not radiation. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's um, been irradiated. <laughs> so it's, it's all radiation and uh, even sunlight's radiation. So uh, it's, it's once it's been irradiated, which has gone through the process of, of, had an, of having electromagnetic photons added to it, um, the, it, it gets it down to a level that's too few to detect. So it basically takes out the organisms that cannot then further regrow um, and we've got test studies that show, um, even um, from, a, from a lab that show that um, even product that's put in a refrigerator, so it goes in, it's put in a refrigerator for 60 days, and, and even though it tested at 5,000 or 6,000 CFU, which would pass state testing, 60 days later, kept in a refrigerator, almost, you know, freezing, okay. um, it, it grew back 120,000 CFU. <laughs> and, and, and I actually do, I do recommend customers ask and challenge the technologies to try to get as low as possible because of what George is alluding to. And, and also, again, you know, I continue to bring up Secret Trapper, but that program is what's uh, getting a lot of people because you can get it underneath the legal thresholds for a few days but, or weeks, but it will grow back if you don't get it as low as possible. And I, I do challenge the, the customers to ask for zero to too few to detect or however the instrument reads, because that's the only way to ensure you will pass not only your test up front, but also the secret shopper tests later on. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the sh secret shopper tests. W what is that? So the secret shoppers, um, some of the states uh, from a regulation perspective have come through and they've said, hey, look, you know, um, we want to make sure that what you send in for state testing matches what you actually put out in your dispensaries or sold. Um, so what they'll do is they'll go out and they'll go to a dispensary and they'll pull product from the shelves and then they'll run it for testing. And what they find out is that, hey, you know, this batch might have passed uh, state testing, but, you know, 30 days later when we go to dispensary, it's got 120,000 CFU. 
and and it's you know from our, my perspective I, you know I, I you know I support the states and what they're doing and I really feel bad for the growers and for the labs because nobody knows whose fault it is you know did the lab do a bad test I doubt it you know did the customer um, try to get something by the the state I don't think so Absolutely. it's just a, a nature the nature of how mold and mildew yeah. grow <laughs> if you have mold in your house and you don't touch it for 30 days it's, it's going to grow bigger right. and uh and once you get this uh you know even though 10,000 cfu is which is the, you know a usual standard is a you know a very low standard if you get it to 8,000 it's going to grow back so it, you know it's not really anybody's fault because the people are are within the regulation but it's just an unfortunate situation and, and the states are, are are just trying to protect public safety exactly george makes the great point is is it all comes from a public safety standpoint because you know heaven forbid we put something out on the shelf that passed but then grows back somebody consumes it gets sick and then gets right. in trouble and that's where that program and the idea behind that program comes for and and i agree with george it's a very commendable program and really should be uh, you know, try, we try, we should try to expand it as much as possible. And that is the reason why we, we put that challenge out to our customers to challenge the technologies and see how low they can get their CFU levels. The reasoning being you, you have no, you have no worry or very, very little concern. If you get it to that non-detectable level, you have a lot of concern if you're just under the passing threshold. Why would you, why would you want to just barely pass wipe it out as much as possible and don't even worry about it. Move on, sell your product, move to your next batch. It, it really should be that simple. You shouldn't have to worry about getting all of a sudden a recall notice on all your product because it's not passing. It, 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 makes, no, it makes no financial sense. And that's where you know, we see the benefit of coming to our technology first. You know, I, we understand it's an investment up front. However, your ROI is going to be much, much better when you can actually sell your quality product as opposed to trying to get rid or get just get by with barely passing, you know, material. It, it doesn't make sense. That, thank you for explaining it that way, because if you've got a, a larger residual amount of mold or mildew spores and then that goes into your packaging and sits on the shelf for weeks or months, the likelihood of regrowth of those spores is higher than if you had fewer spores going in. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And also what George was saying too, about the fact that we can remediate in the packaging, you don't have to worry about opening the packaging and reintroducing any, any problems. So maybe your technique did knock it down low, but then you have to open it up to do all this post-processing and that just introduces everything that you worked so hard to get rid of right back into it. So being able to continue to just leave it in the package as is, go straight from your device to the shelf, essentially, is, is much, much, much better on your, on your ROI. I mean, everybody's all about ROI in this business right now. And that's where it comes from. You want to get the most value out of your product. And that's how you do it. And most people repackage, the, you know, they, they, they do a five pound lot or a 10 pound lot. And then they, they package it from that point in the clean room, uh, you know, where they're mitigating. And, and at that point, you know, sometimes things like ozone that are, or, or, or ionizers and things that are in the air, they help with, with airborne pathogens um, and fans and stuff like that. But, um, you know, uh, that's probably the better place for ozone than directly on a product. We call that grow technology is during the grow process, trying to prevent as much as possible. Um, we're, right. we're really more of when you have a problem and you can't get rid of it. Yeah, it's cultivate, we're cultivation. Cultivation. Yeah. 
I appreciate the point about ROI because a lot of remediation techniques rely on growers to process their flour and turn it into concentrate, um, which of course is a much lower ROI. And in this case, you're preserving the flour intact, but also a lot of the desirable or all of the desirable qualities about your flour that are going to give it a higher value. Yeah. So I can't I tell you how many times I've been to shows with growers coming up to me, you know, almost in tears, basically saying, look, I've put all of my effort into growing this beautiful bud. And, you know, it comes out either we, we've had to send it out somewhere for remediation or we've done some some other sort of remediation technique on it and it's completely destroyed the look and, and the taste and the smell and all the qualities that we worked so hard to try to preserve. Yeah. And I've, I've seen that frustration from the growers. It, it really is truly, I under, I can completely understand you're trying to build, you know, this monument in a, in a sense and it just gets knocked down. I, I completely understand. And they get 20 cents on the dollar. If yeah, they have to it's, send it it's out. just awful. I mean, some people that do it in-house themselves get a little bit more, but it's not the flower. Well, so it sounds like you have a lot of reasons to have entered the industry, one of which it sounds like is public safety. Um, how did the two of you come to work with with RadSource? Was this a passion area to begin with? I actually came into it um, just almost two years ago, you know, this week. Um, I came in for, through pharmacy services, and then before that I was with um, with orthopedics for eight years. So I was already in the medical field um, with hip and knee replacements, um, was well aware of, uh, of, of FDA requirements uh, as we had products that were, were implants into the human body. Um, so the blood um, part, portion of it um, and the sterile insect portion of it and the viral inactivation portion of the, of the technology really, um, really made me think uh, about coming over here. Uh, once I, you know, also got here too, the the impact, because I've had people personally impacted by, um, by um, conditions that require um, medical marijuana. And um, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, wow, if, if this person were to get, you know, some badly infected um, product, you know, what it would mean to them. Um, and, and we knowing that there is a safe, um, you know, technology out there and that state testing is there for public safety and we support that. Um, we support the public safety aspect of everything that we work with. Um, you know, we stop people from getting graft versus host disease, you know, with, with our blood products. Um, we've actually donated uh, a unit um, to uh, an African country last year to help eliminate river blindness in that country uh, wow. because of the tsetse fly. You know, so it, it, we're not just in a cannabis, we're in a bunch of different areas. Um, and uh, cannabis is, is one of the ones that just reacts well with the with the uh, with the microbial levels, and it's the same technology that they're using in in in, um, in, uh, in Canada and the Netherlands for years. So, um, like I said, you know, our pro our process is not you know it's not an isotope, it's a light, it's got an element in it, a filament, sorry, <laughs> and and it sends photons into a product um, that are high quality photons that are going to the that are absorbed into the target and break the DNA bonds. So it's, it's a natural step. And I'm very excited for the work that we're doing and even some of the work that we're working on for future applications with RadSource. Yeah, so I'll, I'll have been at the company uh, five years in February. And when I came on board, we actually were not in the cannabis industry at all. Um, I, I was working, I just graduated uh, with my PhD and was looking for a job and my mentor um, 
was associated, I was fixing some instruments in, a, in, in the UGA clean room and the company had hired this same person that I was fixing the instruments with to, to do some work for them. And he basically cold called my mentor who's now retired and said, hey, this guy's background is exactly what you need for your company. I, I had a, an ultra high vacuum background. I had some materials chemistry background. And when I interviewed, I was just completely blown away by the technology and its potential. And I, I think the, the most, uh, the best thing that I love about, you know, me getting hired at this company was my, my mentor always says like, we, we didn't even know we were looking for a chemist. And yet, you, you know, you've come in and you've, we've done all this new cool technology together. And I think that's the, that's the amazing thing. It's, it's a global, we've literally touched the globe. And I think George hit on all of our verticals, which is, you know, we've, we've done SIT work. We've done the blood industry. It's just an amazing thing that we've helped out in. Uh, you know, we do sterile insects, cell research. I heard this really amazing story of our machine being used up in Boston for genetic editing to cure things like colorblindness. So just all these really neat forefront technologies, forefront applications, and to be a part of that is just unbelievable. And then to add cannabis on top of it, really honestly was something that we hadn't expected. Um, you know, we had a customer come to us and, and basically ask, can we do it? We knew that it was, was being used or similar technology was being used in Canada and the Netherlands. We tried it and now you have a local onsite option that gives you the same results but you have complete control over your product. And I think that that's really been a desirable thing for growers, especially uh, again, to try to preserve what they work so hard to, to put together. I love that. I love seeing so much science and technology come into the cannabis space, especially from so many different industries. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's the, the, the best thing about working for this company. We have doubled our R and D team over the, you know, the time that I've been here, we've got three PhD PhDs, two physicists and myself. We have uh, a couple other physicists who are working on their masters. We've got mechanical engineers out the wazoo. We are science oriented. That's why we can speak so confidently to a lot of this stuff because we understand exactly what the technology is doing and how it's impacting both the product and people's lives. I mean, we really do. We, we, we don't take that for granted at all. We really do love the science aspect of it. We're a bunch of nerds sitting over in a room just doing fun stuff with, you know, new technology is it's great. I love it. Well, speaking of research and development, what sort of challenges are you looking to to tackle next? Sure. Everything is always bigger and better, right? That's the nice thing about our technology because we are, we do have this patented technology is we just have this amazing, uh, amazingly efficient unit. And so new designs, new machines, you know, we're always constantly looking to push those boundaries to the next bigger, badder thing. Um, you know, we, we want as much, we want as many photons as possible. Uh, we understand that's what people want, especially in the cannabis industry. And we're going to try to deliver as best we can. I love it. And where can people learn more about, about RadSource and what you're doing? So, uh, you know, you can go to radsource.com. Um, uh, on the internet, and we we have a lot of information. Our, our, our marketing team's done a tremendous job on the uh, the marketing uh, of our different products. Uh, you can contact us there. Um, in addition, we have some social media. All the social outlets. media, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're they're available on the website as well. So um, you know, we can put out information that that gives you the, those links. But you know, just the the bottom line is is when we're, you're looking at a remediation technology. 
you know, pathogens are a part of life. We're breathing these things now, you know, and with our current situation, we know of things that are floating around in the air as well. So, um, you know, what we need is a good technology that, you know, in fact, we've got a unit right now that's one of our big viral units that's over in uh, Germany being used to help develop a, a vaccines. some yeah. vaccines for Ebola. Um, and we work closely with the universities. Um, we just sent a, actually sent a unit to Wuhan University mm-hmm. um, for them to do research over there. So, you know, um, you know it, we're, we're a proven technology company. Um, yes, we are a little bit more expensive than the cheaper alternatives, but it's because we actually have a science behind our method that works. Um, and it's not just a, you know, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll try this other technology that was used on oranges or, or walnuts <laughs> or almonds and, uh, and see if it works on, on cannabis without impacting the, uh, the value adds like the cannabinoids, the terpenes, the moisture, the, the look, um, and, and just the, um, the overall output of the product. Um, and we have, we have plenty of customers that stand by um, our claims, yeah. um, plenty of test results that can show that we get down to too few to detect. Yeah. I mean, we've gone to, sh- again, you know, I, I always love talking to the, to the cultivators and the growers at the shows, and, and I can't tell you how many times people have said, yeah, you know, we kind of made a mistake. We went to the competitor technologies. We were desperate. We completely understand, but I'm telling you, you got to look at the proven technology. There's a reason why people keep coming back to us and it's not because, you know, we look good. Trust me, it's not that. So <laughs> maybe for George, but the, uh, but it really is. We, we really do try so hard to put all the science and technology that we have at our disposal with this company, you know, behind, behind it. And, and it's, it's proven out really well. Uh, you know, I get it. People are desperate. People want to go find the quick solution, but trust me, sometimes that's not the best solution. And we're, we're harnessing, you know, I like to call it cold lightning, you know, you know, we're, we're harnessing lightning within our, within our, in our reach and the, and the photons that we put out and the, the level of, of, uh, of, uh, of dose that we put into our product is just perfect um for the, for the cannabis industry because it's microbes and uh and microbes like we say microbes hate us you know yeah. no matter what the industry microbes hate us and um and we're able to go in and stop them from um, reproducing every time with the proper dose <laughs> wow well i really learned a lot and i appreciate so much you sharing your insights with me and with our listeners um For Cannabis Tech Talks, this has been Patricia Miller, George Terry, and Dr. Justin Chernowski. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed today, please subscribe. We're on iHeartRadio, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please uh, check out the next Emerge Cannabis Conference. And also, you guys are doing the ERRL Cup in January. Is that right? That is correct, I'm being told. (laughs) January 9th, Mesa, Arizona. Keep a look out for the the ERRL Cup. Thanks, you guys. And uh, until next time, this has been Cannabis Tech Talks. I'm Patricia Miller, signing off. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Tech Talks. This episode is brought to you by Fluence. Fluence creates lighting solutions for controlled environment commercial crop production. This means cannabis cultivators are able to get denser and more potent flower with enriched cannabinoid, terpene, and flavonoid profiles by gaining greater control over your light spectrum and intensity. Fluence applies the latest research in photobiology, evidence-based design, and advanced technology to foster a healthier and more sustainable world.